Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't explain it, but I love these horrible horror movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Well, this week, we're looking at uh, this great classic. Oh, what the fuck was that? Oh, don't feel so... What? What the hell's going on? Where the fuck am I? What the fuck? I mean, come on. I I just woke up and I've got this splitting headache and I have no idea what the fuck is going on here. Can you? Yeah. Man. Not this again. Yes, this again. I know you love these movies. I know you love these horrible, horrible movies. Yeah, so? It's not like, you know, I don't do this for fun or anything. This is, this is just a pastime. Why, why am I chained up here? Can, can Please, please, just tell me what's going on. Well, this isn't a horror movie. What do you mean, this isn't a horror movie? And what the fuck is up with your voice? It's like somebody just changed it or some shit. This is fucking cheesy as shit. Oh, no, 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 I'm not fucking watching that. No, you can get that shit right out of here. I, you can do whatever you want. You can chain me some more. You can fucking torture me with, uh, you know, some other horrible shit. But I am watching that. Well, if you want your freedom, you're going to need to watch this.
Dude, that's not even a fucking horror movie. That's just some crappy fucking ripoff of a fucking fantastic franchise. Why would you make me watch this? Well, you said you wanted to watch something cheesy and look at a way than to watch 1998's Godzilla. <laughs> really? We're going to do this? Uh, seriously, you couldn't just, like, shoot me in the fucking head? Like, get it over with. If you wanted to kill me, please just do it. Or you can, you know what? Just fucking leave me here. Just leave me chained up. I don't want to watch this. Nope. Not doing it. Nope. 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 What family? I I just have a wife. She'd be fine without me. I don't need to sit here and watch this Godzilla thing. No, not really. I, I absolutely despise this movie. Why? Why would you even do this? Was it Patrick? Seriously, if it was Patrick, I, I, I really don't want to do this. He, he can go ahead and just go away. I, you know, whatever he's paying you, I, I'm not even gonna match it. I don't even think it's that much. To be honest with you, no one would pay you that much money to force me to watch this piece of shit. I something else. What the hell's your problem? Why would you do this? I don't understand you. Fine, fine. I'll watch this thing. But once it's done, once I give my full review of this stupid movie, you're gonna let me go, and then I'm gonna punch you right in the fucking face. That's not a deal. What the hell? What kind of person are you? I don't understand this. Uh, fine. Just give me that goddamn movie. Or, or I guess since I'm chained up, put it in. Let's go through it. And let's enjoy... Ugh. Godzilla 1998. So, here I am, locked in whatever this place is uh at least i've got a cat here with me it's kind of staring at me in the corner i guess we can get this shit show on the road so the first sign that you know this is going to be a bad movie is when you see roland emmerich's name pop up as the director of the film in fact he wrote the screenplay along with somebody else but it took four people to come up with the story for this movie and from what I understand, it was rushed for the Memorial Day weekend. I don't understand how a two-hour and 18-minute movie can be rushed for the Memorial Day weekend. Like, seriously, there wasn't more shit that you could cut? I mean, you really didn't get a whole lot out of this. And yes, I understand, this isn't a horror movie. This is classified as a thriller and a monster movie, so technically, it falls within my specs. But... I guess I should give you a little bit of background on my love of the Godzilla movies and the kaiju movies. Uh, you know, it's one of those things when you're a little kid and you're with your grandparents and, you know, uh, 
they try to find what you like. Now, I like horror movies. I do. I, I love them a lot. But as a kid, I didn't like them so much. Uh, you know, the classic ones I was good with, something like Dracula or The Creature from the Black Lagoon or Frankenstein or The Werewolf or The Mummy and Bride of Frankenstein, those all things were fine for me. You know, I loved watching those with my grandparents. My grandfather was a huge influence on what I watched later. I mean, we would even watch, like, Tales from the Dark Side and The Twilight Zone. You know, all those weird things. My cousins, on the other hand, got into, like, the slasher genre and the real horror horror movies of the time uh, when they were younger than me. And so one of the things that my grandfather always liked to show me were kaiju movies. Uh, you know, of course, it started with King Kong, which is not really a kaiju. I get it. Uh, and it's an American monster movie. And uh, that kind of opened the gateway to see Godzilla. And, uh, you know, watching all those films, going back to, you know, I think the first one that I can remember watching was Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And I, as cheesy as those movies are, and I know that they're cheesy, they're fun. They're really entertaining to watch. You could just put on a bunch, and for me, I would be satisfied watching those movies. Uh, you know, Destroy All Monsters is probably one of my favorite films, or at least in my top ten of films. And even the current Godzilla movies uh, that were made after this one, but before the American 2014 movie, were fun movies. You had a lot of really good, you know, monsters and makeup and the way that they do the special effects uh, in those movies is amazing for the time. For, for me, I know it's a giant rubber suit, but for you to have some of the emotion of the monster come out through the rubber suit, it's great. I love it. So imagine my surprise that, you know, it's uh, during the summer of uh, my last year of high school. I'm 17 years old, kind of grew up on these movies, and I keep seeing posters for Godzilla 1998. Uh, and I'm going to refer to it as that. Um, I know it's just Godzilla, but it really needs to be standoffish because there is a 2014 version uh, that many probably have seen uh, that is just called Godzilla again, and it is American production. That movie is fantastic. That movie reminds me of a standard Godzilla movie. It's got what you want. It's got kaiju on kaiju action. Uh, even though it's not the rubber suit, it is CGI'd uh, monsters, which is fine. And Americans, that's just the way that we do things. If we can't figure out how to make it practical, unless you're like J.J. Abrams or something like that, we just CGI the shit out of everything. And, you know, that's what they did here. And that movie, it still has some of the American tings to it, you know, uh, in terms of what we need to see supposedly as an American audience. And I don't really want to get into that because then I'm going to sound like one of those guys. And uh, this movie just did way too much of that. And that is my biggest problem with it. And growing up on Godzilla movies, this is not a Godzilla movie. This is an American monster movie. And it could have been just fine. I mean, Cloverfield was a closer Godzilla movie than this Godzilla movie was. And that was kind of paying homage to the old school monster movies. And I mean, that even goes back to like the Ray Harryhausen days uh, of those style of monster movies. But it still has that feeling of a despair of a Godzilla movie that only has Godzilla movie, you know, Godzilla in it, uh, you know, like Gojira or the original Godzilla. 
uh, or even Godzilla Returns, where it's just primarily him, though I think in Godzilla Returns there is uh, one other kaiju that gets introduced, and I, top the top of my head, I cannot remember which one it is. I think it's Argus. Um, and that's fine. Even Godzilla 1985 is a better film. That's one of the worst of the kaiju era, uh, you know, main era of Godzilla movies. Uh, and uh, that's better than this film. And that's still just Godzilla, you know. The thing is, is that I'm not going into being like, well, Godzilla needs to attack Japan, which part of it is true. Godzilla needs to attack Japan. Uh, and instead, he's in this film, he's attacking New York. You know, we always try to make, you will try to, to centralize a movie when you're trying to, you know, uh, reach your audience because the primary focus for this audience is an American audience you know but the ones that love Godzilla they want to see Godzilla uh, and I might be overstretching my boundary in terms of saying they as the whole community but we want to see Godzilla attack Japan we want to see Godzilla fight a kaiju and, and another one uh, and a famous one King Ghidorah Rodan or you know going as far as saying like the smog monster but he only shows up in one film um, and I know there's one that probably is, it's escaping my mind on uh, recurring Godzilla characters uh, that go through. But there's always the there is a human element to those movies. And I'm not saying that it's just Godzilla doing his shit. But when Godzilla does his shit, it is fantastic. And it is the, one of the more enjoyable things of this movie. And I remember seeing this movie. And being like, oh, God, what the hell is this, uh, even after it? And, you know, mind you, I at the time, you know, I was 17. And it, there's just something about it that bothers the crap out of me when I watch this film. Uh, even re-watching it. I haven't seen this movie in probably about 15 to 16 years. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing it, and then every once in a while I'll come on TV when I was younger and there's people I know that really like this movie and it always perplexed me and then I realized those people hadn't seen a proper Godzilla movie and then I remember going to see Godzilla 2000 in the theaters and when I saw Godzilla 2000 in the theaters uh, a friend of mine and I we really liked it but our other friend he couldn't understand it he's like I don't get this and I know like they try to Americanize it they put Rob Zombie uh, as part of the soundtrack and did all these cool things and they tried to make it like, oh, you know, look at this. This is going to be exciting. And then people went to see it, and they're like, eh, it's not like the other one. And it's like, but this is classic Godzilla. And it's a, it's a decent Godzilla movie, the Godzilla 2000. And I definitely would check it out. But it's not what people had become who had never really been in the genre or never really enjoyed the genre, I should say. It, it's something that they didn't see before, and they just compared it to this. And that's the traditional and, and of course you know the dubbing is shitty i i get it and it's gotten better in nowadays especially with dubs but it's still not the same and i'm not gonna say go be uh you know i don't want to say japanophile but you know i'm not gonna go be with one of those ones if you don't watch it in the original language you know fuck you that's not the case the case for me is you know, I grew up watching the dubs of Godzilla, so I actually really enjoy it when you get a dub of Godzilla versus when you get a, uh, a you know, original Japanese language soundtrack. I do enjoy those very, very much. 
And I, that's the only way I've seen the more recent ones, like Final Wars, which is great. Final Wars, if you have not seen it, please go and see that, that Godzilla movie. And, you know, it's fine. I get it. There's a, there is a giant cheese factor to these movies, but I love Godzilla. Like, I cannot say that enough. It is one of my favorite movie monsters of all time. And it's primarily, like I said before, because I grew up with this, and it reminds me of watching these with my grandparents when I was a little kid. So, all that said aside, we're going to go into this, and I'm doing this a little different this time than I normally do, and I'm more going to focus around the issues that I have with this film. And we're going to go through the whole film. Uh, I might miss a bunch of parts. I might not say certain characters or try to see little things. Um, and we're still going to have clips because I, there's a lot, there's a lot that I want to focus on and some really ridiculous parts. So with all that said, and my disclaimer aside, and, uh, these chains are starting to hurt, we're going to start this movie. So of course we get the title cards and while the music's going on, it shows you a bunch of different plays and we're kind of outside of South America, I believe, in the title cards, and it shows them setting off a nuclear bomb. And, of course, it's also showing you a bunch of pictures of lizards. And, okay, if I thought there was going to be another thing that we show where, you know, you see Matthew Broderick as the title character, and, oh, fuck, I really don't want that. I, I You know, that's that's not a person that I want to be leading the film. But we also get like images of some weird blob swimming in the water. Uh, it kind of looks like a lizard. Um, and that's that's the biggest striking in this movie, is that they consider Godzilla to be a lizard. Um, he's a fucking kaiju. Uh, that's it. Uh, yes, he's got lizard-like features, but they really kind of pound this home during the title card sequence because they show a bunch of lizards just kind of hanging out, and all of a sudden the bomb goes off, and that's how they're saying Godzilla was made. Now, I do, it, it, it is kind of in that vein, right? You know, if you know the history of Godzilla, of course, uh, nuclear testing is what kind of woke him up and brought him out of the water. And the original movie is kind of against the whole, you know, nuclear weaponized uh, attacks against Japan and what it kind of symbolizes when we use bombs against them in World War II. Um, but here it's just basically saying, hey, lizard egg got mutated and boom godzilla yeah that's what we've got i mean these lizards too they must be part cockroach because when the bomb goes off it doesn't even show the goddamn eggs exploding or any of the other animals around it dying they're just there they're just hanging out oh hey look there's a bomb oh look it's a nuclear bomb all right cool let's just go on with our day um and then, you know, you see that Toho also allowed the license to give, be given out on this, and that's just another thing for me. And, again, you see that there's four people that wrote the story, including Roland Emmerich, and it took two of them to make the screenplay. I, I really don't get that. Like, that many rewrites, and then you had two people come up with it. And so... At the end of the title, they get a lightning wipe that now brings us out into the middle of the ocean. We see a Japanese fishing vessel that's kind of out and about and doing its business. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a warning that pops up on this, the screen that they have of this giant blob that's coming towards them. 
of course, everything goes kind of haywire. The ship gets attacked by we don't know what. Could be anything. And uh, then we fade away once again. Now we're in what seems to be like Russia. I think it's Chernobyl. It's actually in the Ukraine, right? And uh, we see our title character, Matthew Broderick. And he's singing. That's great. And of course, you know, it's pouring rain. He goes out there and he does his little thing and he sticks some lightning rods in the ground and worms pop up. He starts to collect the worms. Uh, it's all nice and fun. And then all of a sudden, uh, a bunch of helicopters decide to show up and start messing with his shit. This also starts one of the longest running gags in the entire fucking movie. Dr. Nico Topopopoulos, it's Topopoulos. Get it? They can't say his name right. And we're going to hear this again and, and again and again. Uh, so how do I get out of these things? Oh, Well, it finds out that the military, uh, the U.S. military, needs his help in something. So they fly out somewhere else, uh, you know, to see what's going on. Uh, we also then cut away to what looks like Tahiti, and we get to meet Jean Renault. Uh, who is going to be our Frenchman in this movie. So, if you haven't figured out so far, we've got Ferris as the hero, and we've got the professional coming in to back him up. So, he goes and he checks in on one of the Japanese fishermen uh, that is now recovering uh, in a, this like little hut slash hospital place. And this is where it kind of gets me, and I'm not sure if it's just maybe the version of this that i watched uh that there weren't subtitles uh and like i said i haven't watched this in a really long time but at least for this there were no goddamn subtitles when anybody spoke anything other than english i mean there were no subtitles period i'm not saying that there were subtitles so this is what really gets me about this scene here i'm gonna play it first What did you see, old man? Godzilla. Godzilla. Okay, so what's wrong with this scene? First off, the guy is like sitting there and, well, I should say laying down the bed all kind of crawled up and curled up, I should say, not crawled. <laughs> and he's like being talked to in Japanese, basically kind of saying, well, what did you see? What did you see? Can you tell me? And then Jean Renault comes in here, and he says in English, what did you see? And now the guy can understand him, he fucking responds. What kind of bullshit is that? Like, he should have responded to the guy speaking to a Japanese man in fucking Japanese, not <laughs> to the French guy speaking to him in English. Strike number one. Well, <laughs> strike number probably ten by this time, and it's going to keep getting worse. So, we get away from the scene, and then there's the sea dew that's kind of flying across the world. So, yeah, you're going to fly in this little piece of shit like Amelia Earhart plane to go from the Ukraine to wherever the fuck they're going. And they land, you know, on the island, and of course he's met with the colonel uh, that is in charge of this whole mission. And once again, we run into the same running gag. 
Mr. Nikotopoulos? It's Sotopoulos. Whatever. He takes him to the site and kind of, you know, Matthew Broderick wonders what's exactly going on. What is all this? Some kind of spill? Yeah, something like that. Look, I work for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, but accidents and spills are not my field. We know! Do you know you've interrupted a three-year study of the Chernobyl earthworm? Yeah, you're the worm guy, right? The radioactive contamination in that area has mutated the earthworm's DNA. You know what that means? No, but I got a feeling I'm about to find out. It means that because of a man-made accident, the Chernobyl earthworms are now 17% larger than they were before. 17%, huh? Sounds pretty big. They're enormous. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm a biologist. I take radioactive samples and I study them. That's great. Here's your sample. Okay, so basically what he's saying, hey, your work is fucking stupid, but it's worth it to the plot. So he goes out and he is trying to figure out what is going on and what is the correlation between radiation and growth in animals. Okay, get it? That's why he's important to the movie. I get it, movie, but do you really need this? That's what I don't understand. So the camera then fades back, and you see Matthew Broderick standing in a giant lizard footprint. And, of course, that's when he realizes what he was standing in. Footprint! I was standing inside of a footprint. That's right. We meet some other scientists. There's this lady and there's a guy. The lady automatically gives Matthew Broderick this, like, fuck me face, which, he's not that attractive. And you see who he's married to? It's a fucking horse. Um, and then they show the video of the guy saying Gojira. And the biggest issue I have with this scene here is they're watching the video. It's not the fact that they're watching a video, but they're watching the same exact fucking camera angle on the TV that we saw earlier. So what? Does Jean Renault like wear a body cam on them all the time so that way that you can see the same fucking thing and how do they get that tape it doesn't make any sense like if you're gonna show it like it's got to be some type of like espionage type thing right because you're the military and you're gonna go over there and you're gonna see what exactly is going on right because that's how you got this video you didn't get it from asking the french guy and you don't even fucking know about the french guy we haven't even gotten into that they're going to meet him in a second, but they don't know what exactly he is. They think he's just an insurance insurance guy. Well, I guess I just talked about it there. But wouldn't you have, like, cameras, like, uh, if there were a camera in that hospital, wouldn't it be, like, sitting up on top, like a security cam, and that's the footage that you would see? Not the same footage that we saw as a an audience member. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me uh, how that works. So... He says Gojira, Gojira, and nobody understands what it means. Of course, you know, except for, I don't know, I guess the audience. We know it's Godzilla, right? And that's our translation of it. Uh, and so we fade out from that scene. And now we go into New York, and we meet Audrey, uh, who is Ferris Bueller's love interest. Again, that we'll, we'll get more into that later. Uh, she is uh, works as part of a news station. And we get to meet her boss, who happens to be Harry Shear of, for me, Simpsons fame. Uh, also, you know, things like um, This Is Spinal Tap, all those Christopher Guest-type movies, uh, if you haven't seen him before. And we find out he's a fucking creep. Did you talk with Humphreys? 
This is not the place. Just tell me, did you talk with him? Teddy, consider it. It's between you and Rodriguez. Are you serious? He's going to consider me for the job? What else did he say? Well, uh, why don't we talk about it over dinner tonight? Your place. Mr. Kamen, you're married. Yes, and you're very beautiful. Have I ever told you that before? Mr. Kamen, I've been doing research for you after hours and weekends for over three years. This is a very important job to me. I'm too old to be your assistant anymore. I need to know this job is going someplace. Sure. Have dinner with me tonight. I can't believe that. Come on, Kent Brockman. You can't be that creepy. Seriously, like, what does that add to the film other than, oh, you go, girl. You know, don't stand up for his shit. W whatever. So, uh, they have that conversation. Shear goes away. He gets... He starts on his things. He's got a new co-anchor who looks like fucking... Andre the Giant, if it was a woman and very skinny but super tall, and there's a short joke that's made. Um, and then we go back over to the scientists, and they're all talking. So the lady scientist hits on Matthew Broderick some more, I guess. Uh, they see the, they go to the ship. They see the giant claw marks on the ship. And then you see, like, cans of bumblebee tuna that are just laying out on the beach. I thought that was a, just a fishing ship. Do they also fucking can the things there too? That's the other thing that you have to understand about this movie. There's product placement fucking everywhere. No matter what scene that you see it in this movie, there's going to be some type of product on the screen. Whether it's fucking Bumblebee Tuna, or I think I saw Sprint at one point. It's, it's just all over the goddamn place. I don't understand it. Well, I do understand it, but it's that fucking heavily promoted inside the film the only thing i didn't really maybe i wasn't paying attention to there wasn't much taco bell stuff and i know taco bell was a big sponsor of this movie and did a lot of the crap that you saw out there so you you they meet they all meet uh leon uh or i should say philippe um and he explains that he's an insurance guy, as I've talked about before. And he's not really an insurance guy. You know that he's some type of, like, French superstar military dude. Um, and he gives them all the kind of the death stare uh, when Matthew Broderick actually finds some remnants of whatever attacked the ship on the ship. And then they, they get out of there. They start again flying uh, out. Now... When I first saw this, you know, I'm just kind of going through and thinking about the motions and like, okay, you know. But now I, I have a different feeling for Godzilla. I feel that he's actually like anti-fishing uh, industry because everything he does, and you'll see it again later in the film, is attack something to do with fish. He attacks the Japanese fishing boat. He's going to attack the, the fish market in New York, and then he's going to eat a ton of fish. So, uh, again... They're, they go again into the ocean. There's more fishers that are out there, and Godzilla attacks them again. And the thing that I kind of was, I don't want to say weirded out about, but I thought it was a weird choice, is there was one guy that was out there on the boat, and he's just wearing overalls with no shirt. I mean, like, typical redneck, like, if you went into the south and you thought, hmm, what does a redneck wear? That's exactly what they wear. Uh, it's very stereotypical, but it's weird that it's in the ocean when it's storming, water's going everywhere, and you're just going to wear fucking overalls. Really? That That's a weird costume choice, guys. Well, again, 
Godzilla goes and attacks these fisher guys, uh, and uh, you see them sink the boats in the water. Somehow, most of the guys survive. They're floating out on top, and then we're back in a sea dew again. Well, it's not a sea dew, but it's a very small plane, again, to travel long distances. And they're trying to figure out exactly what this thing that attacked that original fishing boat is. Jesus Christ. Thing's only 200 miles off the eastern American seaboard, and we don't even know what the hell it is. It's the Ropita Allosaurus. What? It's some type of enormous reptile that we believe died out in the Cretaceous period. So where's it been hiding the last 60 million years? What about the traces of radiation? The radiation isn't an anomaly. It's the clue. This animal is much too big to be some kind of lost dinosaur. Well, don't tell me what it is and tell me what the hell it is. Okay, this is the other thing I have with Matthew Broderick in this whole movie. Is he always talks like almost like a valley girl or, you know, he talks like this? Oh, I don't know. He's like, I, I you can hear it there and I don't know if I can replicate it as well, but he just has this like weird upspeak that he does the entire time and he tries to sound like he's super smart scientist guy but awkward at the same time maybe that's the better way of thinking about it and it it's just throughout the movie and it's really fucking annoying the entire time while you're watching it from this scene we cut back over to new york but this is the only time in the entire movie when you see a title card of where we're at it doesn't say New York. It says the city that never sleeps. It doesn't say fucking New York. Every other place that we've been to, it tells you where you're off. We're off the you know, coast of Costa Rica. We're in the middle of South American seas. We're in Tahiti. We're over here. But when it comes to a U.S. fucking city, it's the city that never sleeps. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, are we supposed to, like, connect to that? Oh, yeah. Hey, that's a city that never sleeps. I know where that place is. It's fucking New York. just don't get it. I, I have no idea what's going on in terms of the way that they want to handle this film. So, from that, we go back to our lady friend, Audrey. And she's with Hank and Zaria, uh, who is also of Simpsons fame. You may remember him. Probably the biggest movies that you can remember him from if you haven't actually seen the guy before. Uh, and this was my first time actually seeing him, and I didn't realize who he was uh, when I was a little kid, um, is that uh, you could see the birdcage. He's a very funny character in that movie, even though I'm not a very fan of that movie. Uh, and then he's in Mystery Men, and his character in Mystery Men is one of my favorite characters in that movie. But he really does seem out of place, and he uses this like New Jersey, New York accent that kind of sounds like comic book guy mixed with, like, a little bit of Lenny. Uh, well, they're all sitting at a table and they're, you know, chatting about what happened with uh, Sheer. And of course, we get that girl power type of speech. My life sucks. Oh, please. Your life doesn't suck. His life sucks. Because I'm married to you. I cannot believe he put the moves on me after everything I've done for him. He is scum. As far as he's concerned, he's just a pair of breasted talk. Hey, here's an image. I'm telling you, he is dirt. He's a douchebag, gutter slime, dog crap, puke chunk. Hey, hey, I'm eating. You don't see I'm eating? Audrey, you're too damn nice. That's your problem. Nice gets you nothing in this town. Okay, two issues here. And I know there's going to be a lot of issues when we're going through this movie. But 
what she describes him as is not puke worthy. That is very tame. And yes, this movie is PG thirteen. This is at the time where PG thirteen they didn't even use any type of foul language in the films. Right nowadays, PG thirteen. I think they can get away with one or two fucks, but they say shit, they say ass, they say all those fucking words. But here, it's like, oh, that made me sick. That didn't make you sick. Come on, that that line was fucking crap. And then you know the other thing is, oh, hey, you're too good of a person. You need to go be bad every once in a while. So go ahead, go fuck sheer and get your shit done. I mean, that's maybe not what exactly she's saying, but it's like you got to do something bad every once in a while, and. You know, you got here, you got, maybe it's actually Chief Wiggum in comic book guy, but he needs to go out and he needs to do something about fucking uh, Mr. Burns over there trying to do his thing, or Kent Brockman trying to do his thing. Um, and then you see on the video screen, they're showing videos of people coming around, and you see Matthew Broderick. And then Audrey, Miss No Emotion, sees him and is like, oh, hey, that's uh, my ex up there. So, okay, now we're establishing that Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller, and Miss No Emotion used to date. Again, I don't necessarily need this in my Godzilla movie. Please. Like, and maybe maybe I have nostalgic filters on my eyes, and I need to go back, and I need to watch some old films. But I don't remember these giant, stupid-based love stories in there. I know that there were times where characters were kind of involved with each other, but it always seemed to kind of be a completely side thing where this is the focus of the movie. Okay, so all of a sudden you uh, you get a bunch of New York stereotypes. They're on the docks now. And, you know, it's, hey, yo, I'm walking here. Oh, I'm putting stuff inside the, the van here. You guys need to hurry up. I'm getting wet over here. You know, those type of, like, New York stereotypes are all going out. And then you see this old man, and he's going to go fishing. And uh, this is, of course, just a scene for the fucking trailer. Uh, it's the scene that's the, probably one of the more iconic scenes in the trailer that you can see, where the old man is then running away. You know, he's trying to catch the fish, but oh, he catches Godzilla instead. So you see Godzilla come and break through the pier, and the old man is running away. Then it cuts down the street, and we get to meet the mayor and his assistant. Ladies and gentlemen, the man you've all been waiting for, yours for a seat for New York, your man, Mary March! Thank you! Thank you! I want to thank all of you for coming out on this beautiful New York City day. Okay, so we're going to stop here for a second. I'm going to explain these characters if you don't know them already. This is Mayor Ebert and his assistant, Gene. Now, do those names sound familiar to you? Because they should. Maybe not to everybody, but Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert are film critics. And Roland Emmerich had an issue with them because they didn't like Independence Day or Stargate. Now, Stargate, I actually kind of like. It's entertaining. Independence Day, I think it's stupid. And I'm not doing that movie for this podcast. We're not going to have like the Roland Emmerich set show going on here further. But... In response to how they reacted to his movies, and mostly focused on Ebert rather than Siskel, um, he made them dumb-witted characters in this movie. And they pop out throughout this film. So, you you get a bunch of references to them as their actual selves while still being these bumbling idiots of... Uh, 
characters in this movie. It's it's like he's kind of going to give him a big fuck you, look what I did, and it totally fails and it sucks. Um, it's just another two characters that you don't have to worry about in this film, though they're there. So Godzilla then interrupts their speech and he's running amok in the city. And we also then cut back to the newsroom where Harry Shear is talking about getting a big story. I am great that we're getting a new set. I know that represents a commitment on the part of management. Here's what I don't understand. Why we're the only station in town that doesn't have the Korean grocery hold up as our lead. I mean, what's our lead? Rain, again. Mom? I know, precious the people at the parties you go to, that we're the classy station. Sorry, I just don't give a rat's ass about a war in some country whose name I can't even pronounce. How about a real story? Sir, I think your story just walked by the window. What? Now, did that other voice there sound familiar to you? Well, I don't know if it should or shouldn't, but if you are a fan of The Simpsons, again, that was Nancy Cartwright. Yeah, Bart Simpson herself is in this movie for one scene. So you have Hank and Zaria, you have Harry Shearer, and you have a cameo by Nancy Cartwright. What the fuck is going on, Roland? Did you just decide that maybe you wanted to make a Simpsons movie, but decided that's not right? I'll just put him in Godzilla. Come on, really? And it's a wasted fucking cameo. She's got like a broken hand or something. And, you know, of course, Shear's going to pop up more often. And Hank Azaria is one of the quote-unquote main characters of this film. Or at least one of the film's uh, reoccurring characters, I'd say, more often than not. And guys, I'm really only 20 minutes into this movie, so this is going to be a long one. Cutting back into the restaurant where Audrey and her two friends, uh, Hank Azaria's animal, and her, or his wife, I was about to say her wife, and that's not true. And again, they're talking about Mr. Matthew Broderick, the Romeo. So did this Romeo have a name? Nick Totopoulos. Jesus. Is that why you dumped him? No. Uh, how long did you guys go out for, anyway? Nearly four years. <gasps> Girl, I'm surprised he didn't ask you to marry him. Oh, that's the problem. He did. Really? Okay, so, again, the love story, we're going back to it, why they didn't work out. Oh, it's probably because she wanted to be some hotshot-like reporter and didn't want to be tied down to his scientist stuff. I mean, really? That doesn't need to be in my fucking Godzilla movie, okay? I'm really, these things are starting to fucking shake, man. I need to get out of here. I need to finish this up as soon as possible. We hear the thumps of Godzilla walking by when all of a sudden, of course, his wife turns out to be an idiot. He did. Ugh. Tell me that's not another parade. Um, I don't think that's a parade. Yeah, you see everything jumping up and down every time that sound comes down. It's boom, boom. But it's a parade. Hey, we're waiting for the floats to come by. Maybe they're going to shoot some confetti out in the crowd. Everything's going to be great. I'm glad that your husband is smart because you really, like, why do we have to have this dumb female character? I, I really don't understand it. She's a bad influence upon Audrey, telling her to do hood rat things. 
and then she doesn't realize what's actually going on. Of course, Animal, in his infinite wisdom, decides to grab his camera, run outside, and we get another scene from the trailer where he's in the street with his camera and you see the foot come down, right? And of course, the foot doesn't stomp on him. It barely misses him, and he gets away from it. Um, and that's going to be another thing about this film that if you've seen this, you kind of understand too. Almost all the shots of Godzilla for the majority of the film are from the waist down. We mostly get feet. We mostly get tail. We rarely get the full beast. Uh, if we do, it's only in some quick action shots. And, or if we, if we don't get, uh, if we get the head, we tend to only get the head or get the head from waist up. It's like they didn't want to animate the entire fucking thing. And here we actually get a good look at Godzilla, and he looks like shit. He doesn't look anything like the Godzilla that we've ever seen before. I mean, there's one thing that the 2014 version got right. Even though it is a different looking Godzilla, you could still look at it and be like, that's Godzilla. This one you look at it and you're like, that's a fucking lizard. That's not fucking Godzilla. It's okay with the feet. I get it. When you saw all those things, I'm like, okay, maybe they're trying to make him more realistic looking. But it's not even that. He, he just looks like a giant like lizard slash velociraptor thing. Like they're just ripping off Jurassic Park some more, which they will do later in this movie. Ugh. And we're still only 20-something minutes into this movie. Almost at a half an hour. <sighs> okay, we'll keep moving, we'll keep moving, we'll keep moving. So, uh, I need to get my composure here. Now everything switches over to New Jersey where the military's landed. And they're arguing because somehow, somehow, they've lost Godzilla in New York. It's the perfect hiding place for him. Is it really the perfect hiding place for him? I understand there are big buildings. He's a big monster. He's not even as tall as the tallest building in New York. That's another strike against him. Because Godzilla is fucking massive. He's taller than the Tokyo Tower. And the Tokyo Tower is huge. Okay? He's supposed to be this gargantuan, gigantic beast. And he's not taller than the Sears building. He's just a tall lizard. He can easily hide in New York. Uh, okay, we go back into the uh, news studio, and Audrey is trying to get Hank's or not Hank. I'm sorry, trying to get Harry Shear's attention, and kind of get him to know. Hey, I know somebody that's working with the military. Let me get the story. And of course, he still responds like a sexist creep. This is the moment when the big boys go to work. Okay, honey. Bag. Yeah. Okay. Why would you take this role, Harry? Why? Please tell me. Do you want to be seen this way? It's it's just not funny. I I, I don't know. So we go back. Harry Shearer's trying to get into the military zone. And the only way he can get in with there is with a press packet. And, you know, uh, but before that, I should say, he gives a report upon the city uh, from his helicopter. 
in what city officials are describing as the worst act of destruction since the World Trade Center bombing. Hundreds of thousands of people have jammed the streets, the largest evacuation in this city's history. And many people, many, many people are not happy about it. Among those unhappy citizens are the managers of the stores along pricey Fifth and Madison Avenue. The Warner Brothers and Disney stores have been totally cleared out by looters. And the streets are jammed. Traffic is at a standstill. Emergency vehicles cannot have access to any emergency that may develop. And there is a slow but steady stream out of the city, as if Long Island or New Jersey were any refuge in this time of crisis. Okay, so what I get from his report inside the helicopter is that Long Island and New Jersey suck. They're not the same as the the main part of New York. Um, That... uh, Product placement, product placement, product placement, because we get Warner Brothers, we get Disney, and we get whomever else was there. And, uh, you know, he's still kind of an asshole, the way that he's talking about everything. Oh, the World Trade Center bombing. They've mentioned that. Worst disaster since that. Uh, (laughs) This is 1998, people, so you know what's going to happen. But it's weird that you would use even that inside of a movie. Why would you write about that? I would just say, this is a huge disaster. You don't need to reference something else. It'd be like, you know, us doing a current version of, uh, I don't, or maybe like Cloverfield going through and then start talking, this is the worst disaster since the 9-11 attacks. You know, it just seems tacky and kind of weird, and that kind of makes him a jerk. So, um, when I said that Shear was trying to get into the uh, military area before as a press packet, and uh, he stopped because he doesn't have his little press card with him. And it turns out that Audrey ended up being a bad girl after all. I don't know if this is a very good idea, Liz. What are you talking about? You stole it. Finally, you got a little football. Don't went bad on me. What if Kamen finds out? Look, how often do you think you're going to have an ex-boyfriend on the inside of a major story? Some once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Okay. So, of course, in the background there, you heard one of the title songs, which we're going to play a little bit of it later. So we get some Puff Daddy in this mix, in this bitch. Back to the military area, and we see that the mayor now is talking with the military guys on what exactly to do and how to handle Godzilla. I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor, but that's where we are at this point. Now, hold on. Hold on. You're telling me that in an election month, I've evacuated this entire city for nothing? Do you realize what this evacuation is going to cost the people of this city? We have been monitoring all the waters around the island, and as far as we can tell, this thing has not left the area. Yes, but you don't know for sure. We have a strong reason to believe it may be hiding inside one of the buildings within the restricted area. But you don't know for sure! Mr. Mayor, we cannot give the all clear until each and every one of these buildings has been checked. What is it? Now, what I didn't mention before is that we see actually Jean Renault's team, uh, professional, Philippe, whatever you want to fucking call them, uh, and they're all kind of get together. There's also another running gag with the fact that they can't find coffee anywhere that tastes any good as French coffee. Uh, but when the mayor first arrived, uh, he greeted them, and he said, oh, I'm one of your biggest supporters, and then he held them like, kind of on the back, and he put a little uh, uh, microphone on the back of him. So here we learn that the French are very good at espionage uh, and much better than the Americans in terms of getting their their data because the Americans somehow went forward in time, found Godzilla the movie, uh, and took that footage and 
put it on their video screens. Uh, whereas he, he sneaks a microphone onto them so he can listen to what's going on on the inside. Very smart French, time-traveling Americans. So, um, now we come upon the big plan. So, Matthew Broderick realizes what needs to be done and how we're going to get Godzilla out there. How are you going to find him, okay? And you know what? From now on, I'm not going to call him Godzilla. I'm going to call him Zilla because that's what he is in Final Wars and he gets his ass beat and it's great. Um, so, how do we get Zilla to uh, come out of his hiding spot, wherever he is? Because they figure out that he's probably beneath the city. They want to destroy all the tunnels to make sure that he can't get out. And Ferris here, he decides that the best way to do it, he's probably hungry, let's feed him. So we get the scene in the movie that everybody knows. Um, but first, let's, let's listen in into how they're going to get him to come to you. You know, he's not some enemy trying to evade you. He's just an animal. What are you suggesting? Well, when I had to catch earthworms, I knew that the best way to get them was not to dig them out, but to draw them out. All we need to do is to find out what he needs, and he'll come to you. Yes, he'll come to you. So, the way they did it, of course, was to get him in an area, and, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to play it. That's a lot of fish. Yep, that's a lot of fish. There's one of the big jokes in the movie. Giant pile of fish, Matthew Broderick looks at it, and... That's a lot of fish. Fuck you, movie. Fuck you. I'm... Ugh. That line bothers me so much, and I don't know why. It's just horrible. You know what even bothers me even more? Is when Godzilla finally comes out of the ground, starts coming at them, and he makes this sound. Okay, Zilla there kind of sounds like Godzilla. Which is fine, because he's not Godzilla. And they do these types of things all throughout the damn movie, where they, you know, he does different types of noises, but... He only makes the Godzilla sound maybe a couple times. Most of it's snarling or something else that's going on. Now that Godzilla has risen from the ground like the phoenix, um, we get a better look at him and he still looks like crap. I mean, maybe they try to do some practical effects. I don't really think so. I think the only practical effects that were done were maybe with something else that's going to come up later, uh, which if you've seen this movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but Matthew Broderick just kind of stands there and just is like in awe as it's busting to the ground and then finally he decides to run away to almost get smashed by a piece of the street that falls right in front of him. Uh, he turns around, gets a good look at it, and with his little shitty camera, his little disposable camera, starts taking pictures of Zilla. And again, why would you change the way that he looks to get this ugly motherfucker right here? I, it may look good in more of like a cartoon type form and I know there's a Godzilla series that follows this uh, but I just don't know why you would go away from the classic look if you're trying to make a Godzilla movie I know you want to try new things I know you want to make this a series but it ain't going to work with him looking like that he looks like a piece of crap so he... They they show Godzilla, sorry, excuse me, they show Zilla walking towards the fish, and they keep doing all these weird cuts and everything like that, 
And then the one thing that caught my eye was that on their computer screens, which, again, I know this is 1998. There is Windows 98 out at this time, guys. You can have better-looking interfaces than this MS-DOS system that you're using for your mapping. And But they managed to program a fish where the fish is and with a fish trap. So you actually see the stupid little fish there. You see this big giant fucking fish on their map. So they have the time to make a fish uh, image, but not to upgrade their goddamn systems. All right. So once the once Zilla starts eating the fish, of course the military decides to fire on him, and they start you know it starts running away, and of course there is a big chase involved, and this is one of a couple of chases that happens with Zilla throughout the movie, and. You know, everybody's flying after him. They're coming. It's kind of, it's not a bad scene, but the worst part about it is how they miss Zilla. <laughs> they fire. They're trying to use heat-seeking missiles and everything like that, but of course, they don't work. Uh, instead, when they fire the missiles at Zilla, he ducks. It literally, he ducks his head, they fly over his head, then the other two missiles that were shot go underneath his tail because he's able to perfectly maneuver himself so that he dodges them, and of course they blow up the Chrysler building. Uh, and since they can't catch the guy, uh, one of the petty soldiers, O'Neill, makes this big statement. We need bigger guns. No, you need people that can fucking fire right. Where did you go to the Stormtrooper School of Shooting? Come on, you have all this technology to do the correct thing. And I understand it's not 2015 then, it's 1998. But you should have guys on a ship that can fucking dogfight with other people on your helicopters and know how to hit things without using some type of guided things. Hell, Luke used the Force way back in the day. Don't you have something like that that you could use? Uh, so they start, uh, the heat-seeking missiles don't work on Zilla. Uh, and they try to figure out ways to, to attack him. So they start chasing him around the city. And like the dude from Dexter, Godzilla, or I'm sorry again, Zilla decides to, or manages to surprise the fuck out of the helicopters. You have this giant fucking lizard thing, and it walks around doing sounds. That's what he, but he's managed to be quiet during the chase scene, and he surprises every fucking helicopter. It's like, oh, they shoot into like this hole. We got him. And then all of a sudden, it's surprise, motherfucker! And he comes from behind and chomps the fucking helicopters. He's like way smarter than our military, uh, and they they don't have anything to sense where he's coming from. And I guess because maybe he's a cold-blooded lizard. They say he's as cold as the buildings. They don't have any type of infrared that they can get on him. So, you know, Zilla is, like, super smart and is able to fucking just surprise these helicopters with his big fucking ass. And it's not even like, you know, he just slowly creeps up. He busts out of the building. That's enough time to get the fuck away. I don't care what you say. I know this is a goddamn movie, but that's enough time to get away from a monster as big as that especially with the end of the movie, which is bullshit. Oh, God, I'm getting more. This is, I feel just like the, the fucking mayor. Maybe I need something. 
What the hell is the matter with you people? You've caused more damage than that goddamn thing did! All right, Mayor, calm down. Have some candy. No, I don't want any candy. Leave me alone. God, I wish I had some candy. Uh, it'd make sitting here in this fucking cold-ass room better than anything else. Well, so, at this point, it's Godzilla City now. Or Zilla's City now. And he has full reign of it. They've evacuated everybody. And now we're just going to have to deal with the fact that a giant monster is uh, running through the city and has claimed it as his own. I'm surprised he hasn't peed on a bunch of the taxi cabs so that he can get the profit from them when they come back. Now, we... Matthew Broderick and O'Neill, they are sitting there and they're having their conversation. And, of course, we get another joke in the movie. I, I can't believe it. I mean... He did all of this and, uh... We did nothing to him. Oh, that's not true. We fed him. <laughs> all the jokes in this movie. Oh, they make no fucking they're not funny this is this is so bad uh so ferris here he finds some goo uh which turns out to be later uh, blood uh that zilla has left around from when they shot at him so even though they didn't manage to get him with missiles they still managed to get with the guns and they managed to damage him again fuck you that's why this is zilla and not godzilla because none of that puny ass fucking missile shit works on godzilla or guns for that matter and so he does some tests, and he kind of thinks that, hey, maybe it's pregnant. I don't know how he deduces that. So he goes into a local liquor store to get a bunch of pregnancy tests. And while he's there, of course, he runs into Audrey. You're still mad at me? Well, you left without a phone call, a letter, nothing, all this time. Yeah, yeah, I guess I am still a little mad. That was eight years ago. Some people change. Most people don't. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Audrey. You're right. Eight years is a long time. Can I make you a cup of tea? Sure. That'd be nice. Oh, God, come on. Please don't fall for that manipulative bullshit. Can't you see what she's doing? She's just trying to get close to you so that she can fuck you over somehow. I mean, again, miss no emotion there. So, Matthew here takes her back to his place. Well, his van, I guess, where he's doing the tests. And they start reminiscing about old times. And then he explains what he's been doing. I'm cataloging new species that have been created as a direct result of nuclear contamination. Is that what you think created this thing? Yeah. I found a blood sample earlier this evening. How close did you get to the thing? I got pretty close. Get it? Because when Godzilla popped up, I mean, Zilla, uh, he popped up out of the ground. He was right in front of him. Get it? He was pretty close. This is the type of humor that you get in the whole movie. Well... After explaining things about her, he finally realizes, using these tests, that he's pregnant. He is? He. A very unusual he. Uh, I mean, obviously, these tests weren't designed for this, but fundamentally, they look for the same hormonal patterns to indicate pregnancy. Wait, I don't get it. 
If he's the first of his kind, then how can he be pregnant? I mean, doesn't he need a mate? Not if he reproduces asexually. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> oh my god, the humor in this movie is killing me. No, it's literally killing me. Somebody fucking let me out of this place. Let me out of this place. I, I can't stand it anymore. Okay, so we're, we're still going. We're still going. I need to get through this. I need my freedom. Uh, and I'm going to get revenge on whoever did this to me. Also, let me get... So, a pregnancy test that's meant for humans. I can take that pregnancy test, and I can figure out whether something is pregnant. Like, if this, this cat that's here in this room... If I wanted to find out that she was pregnant, I could take that test, either somehow get her to pee on it, or maybe shove it up somewhere that I shouldn't, uh, and I can get a result, because he's able to just drop blood onto it. Oh, I guess I could drop the cat's blood onto it too, right? And uh, find out from that that it gets a positive pregnancy test, because it's basically just looking for the same things. I mean, it has nothing to do with our physiology or anything about that. I can just use it on anything. You know what? Somebody, if they please out there, tell me if this is true. Because if this is true, I know that you can use it to detect other things too uh, in humans, right? Uh, but if you can do it on animals, I would really like to know. Because this is fucking bullshit is what it is. So, and I really hope that my cat here hasn't been whoring around because I'd be very upset if she was pregnant. He's found out that Zilla is pregnant. He figures that New York actually is a very good place for him to nest. Meaning that somewhere in that city, there is Zilla eggs. Okay, again, not in my Godzilla movie. How is Godzilla going to be pregnant, asexual, and he's just going to drop his fucking offspring anywhere he wants? Like, I know Godzilla has a son... But I'm assuming there's some way that that was created, and it was created more naturally, I should say, uh, rather than what this movie is saying, which later on in the movie we find out that they're born pregnant. So at some point they grow up and they just shit out their eggs. All right, that's what Zillas do. They they just constantly uh, procreate. Oh, boy. And and he's, again, Godzilla's a kaiju. Zilla's a fucking lizard. He's a lizard. Guys, he's a lizard. I, I cannot fucking stress that enough. Uh, we get some more romantic things where we find out that, you know, Ferris is still in love with Miss No Emotion. Again, I don't want this in my Godzilla movie. Just make it stop. And uh, he goes off to do something, and he's got to go tell them, hey, this is what my findings are. And he magically, in the place where he was doing his tests, there's a tape that's sitting up there, along with other tapes. And it says, top secret. Now, if you were me, and you were in this movie, would you label a tape top secret and just have it on the fucking shelf? Honestly, would you just have it up there? Would it just be up there? Hey, anybody, you want to come in here and you just want to take my fucking tape? No. You would put it behind the strictest fucking security ever, or you would make sure that that fucking tape is encrypted as fuck. 
And back then, who knows? Okay, I know it's a VHS tape, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like computer tape or anything else, or you know whatever happens during this time. But you have a fucking VHS tape, and you're just gonna mark it top secret. No, I'm just gonna put it on the shelf. Of course, Audrey, the bitch that she is, steals the tape because she wants to get ahead in this world, and she can't be a good girl anymore. And it's at this point I realized I still have an hour left of this movie. Yay. An hour left. And you probably, hopefully, don't have an hour left of this podcast because it's going to happen probably. All right. So he explains, he goes back to the group, Ferris does, and explains exactly what's going on, which prompts the mayor to say this. What is this, the Virgin Lizard? That one actually is kind of funny. Okay. I have to admit, the Virgin Lizard is pretty funny. But again, he's a kaiju, not a fucking lizard. Well, Zill is a lizard, so I guess that's okay. Back to Audrey after she's already given the tapes back to her news team. And she explains to them that, hey, I'm the one that got this story. You know, I'm the one that did it. Put it on the air. We, while we're in the bar, that they're all in waiting to go. And there's there's a ton of people here still. And I, I understand it's New Jersey, but, like, I guess maybe in times of tragedy you drink more. Uh, I wish, really, I had something to drink here. You know, some Jack Daniels would be really good right now. So that Harry Shear here has actually taken her footage and made it his own. And, of course, she gets upset with that. Godzilla. That's what Japanese sailors called him in song, a mythological sea dragon who filled their hearts with fear. Oh, my God! He stole my report! Yes, it's the reality, our modern-day terror. I don't believe it. Who is this Godzilla? Where did he come from? Why is he here? And it's Gojira, you moron! Just like your director, he's a fucking moron. So, of course the military sees this. And, uh, which is, it's perfectly timed because they're arguing there. And it just happens to be on the TV at that time. Hey, sir, you might want to turn around and watch this. And so everybody sees that the video footage from earlier, again, probably grabbed back in time, is out there on the screen for everyone to see. This gets to Topolis in tons of trouble. Yes, I can kind of say his name right, so... No gags from me. Though, I did miss on one chance to give you the French version of the gag. Alors, c'est un professeur. Nick. Nick Tapoir. On appelle l'homme vert de terre. Get it? Even the French can't say it right. <laughs> oh, boy. So, because of this, because Audrey stole the fucking tape from Ferris, he's kicked out and he's told to go home. He gets into a cab, but before that, we find out that, you know, he actually trusted Audrey. Audrey manages, I don't know how she manages to be in the same place at the same time. There's a lot of these coincidences that go on when we're changing scenes. And he expressed his mis- mistrust now in her. You're leaving? Why? Is it because of me? Because of the story? Well, what did you think was going to happen? You never said it was off the record. I shouldn't have to, Audrey. You were supposed to be my friend. I trusted you. Okay, so let me get this straight. Was it because of me? What do you think? You went and you fucking stole a top secret marked 
tape from him. Of course he's going to get his ass fucking burned or whatever it is, fired or thrown away. Hell, you don't even know, man. He could have been thrown in fucking military prison, and that shit ain't no joke, okay? So that's the first part of it. Then you're just, you know, the dude gave you more than you needed, and you just fucking stole it. It's not his fault that he should be kicked out. He didn't have anything to do with it. He didn't do it on purpose, okay? And now you're just wondering, oh, you know, I'm not really a bad person. Can't you just forgive me? Are you really that upset with me? Why wouldn't he be? Oh, this movie. Okay, a little more to get through. Just a little more. And again, now I just noticed on the damn taxi cab that there's a Baskin Robbins fucking sign. Product placement everywhere, guys. Product placement everywhere. In a fucking Godzilla movie. I Now I know how they paid for it. Okay, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe. So, Ferris gets into the cab, and they drive away. Azaria's character decides that he's going to follow Ferris because he wants to kind of make him realize that she wasn't in the right mindset or whatever is going on. Uh, But instead of getting on the freeway, uh, the car keeps driving straight. And you see that he's been kidnapped by another than Philippe. So the French have now captured him. They stop in front of a building, and Matthew realizes exactly who he's dealing with. Hey, I know you, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, you're that insurance guy. Agent Philippe Roche. DGSC. Direction Générale des Services Extérieurs. Sounds big. French Secret Service. Okay, so I know that Jean Renault actually is French, but he's... I can understand him better in other movies like The Professional than I can in this movie when he speaks English. Like, he's purposely being heavy on the French accent here that he probably naturally has. And it's fine. I like the guy. I think he's a great actor. But in this, he's just... It's too much. It's too much for me to take. So he sneaks him inside his uh, warehouse where all the French Secret Service are and Azari, like some type of super spy, he manages to climb up the building to watch and listen to them through an open window. Uh, Renault, he explains to Broderick what exactly he's doing there. Sometimes I must even protect him from himself, from mistakes we've made. Mistakes that we don't want the world to know about. Talking about the nuclear tests in the Pacific? Yes. This testing done by my country left a terrible mess. We're here to clean it up. Okay, if I get this straight now, and you shouldn't even call this movie fucking Godzilla anymore, I'm sorry. I've, I've called that thing Zilla, I shouldn't even call this movie Godzilla, because it was the French that created Zilla. Their testing is what brought it out, and they knew about it. Okay, let me just... Fuck, get get me out of here. Somebody, please, help me. Help me. I can't take much more of this. So, we go back to Azari and his wife's house, which has now been taken over by a bunch of Marlon Randos. And she's brought all these people in the street because, you know, they needed help and blah, blah, blah. And he goes and he talks with Audrey in the back room. And he basically says, hey, I know where they're going. I know how to get back into the city. 
and we should go and we should cover the story and you should go and you know to basically uh, get Broderick back in the good graces of everybody and say that hey he's the one that figured this out and you know he's the one that should be praised not anybody else it's not just about killing Zilla it's about killing Zilla's offspring and wiping the species entirely off the planet and that was all his idea and it's a good thing and of course also at the beginning of the scene she's crying like an idiot like oh it's all my fault and then originally you know, the wife blames it on Nazaria's character and uh, it's it's dumb because she should know because she's crying because she fucked up she's the one that did it let's just leave it at that you know it it was your fault and you're acting as bad and you should feel bad we go back over to the French guys, and the French guys are getting ready to go and use the military zone. They're all dressing like American soldiers to go back into the city and figure out where everything is. And this is also going to include going into the tunnels, because Zilla has now used the subway systems as a way to get around the city unnoticed by anybody else. And every time that they've been down, they can't even seem to fucking find him. Even though there's one point, they're shining light, and that doesn't fucking look like stone. It looks like a fucking lizard face, but they're like, oh, okay, it looks like I totally collapsed someone down. And of course, the Godzilla eye opens up, and you know, it's probably another fucking thing for the poster or trailer. Fun bullshit. So, uh, the, there's another joke about them being French, and this time they're going to be chewing gum. And why are they chewing gum? What's with the chewing gum? Makes us look more American. Oh, really? No. No, it doesn't. It makes you look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Why? So, the Zari and Audrey's character manage to get into New York super easy. Where it takes these guys to drive in and uh, deal with border patrol. Uh, is the best that I can say. And uh, try to get in. Uh, Broderick's character tries to talk to the the guard that's on duty and gets kind of shut up and uh, because he originally wants it to be only him that does the speaking so that way the French doesn't come out. Of course, we get another gag in the goddamn movie. You got a problem talking? Well, no, sir, I'm fine. All right, keep it moving. I'll thank you very much. Elvis Presley movies. The Western King. Okay. What I think happened here was that Jean Renault does an excellent Elvis Presley. Well, a good for a French guy, right? With an American accent. And uh, they were trying to figure out, oh, how do we make this guy sound more American or whatever? And he was probably like, hey, you know, I can do an Elvis. And totally ad-libbed the whole fucking thing. And they thought, oh my god, this is the funniest thing ever. Only realizing that, nope, that's so dumb. Uh, you know, if you're part of the French Secret Service, I'm pretty sure you can come up with a better accent than fucking Elvis Presley. You could imitate it. Why don't you just do an Arnold accent? You know, you know, might as well just do fucking that. I know he's not American, but fuck, he might as well be. Uh, I just, I don't get it, and it's killing me, and I know I still have another half hour of this fucking movie to go through. So, you know, it's also at this point that I realized a good third of this movie 
could be completely taken out and everything would be much, much better. It would flow better. You'd have less downtime. Uh, you could keep your action set pieces in there, even though they're very short. But a lot of this character interaction could just be fucking cut. So easy. I'm just wondering what they did cut to bring it down to this two-hour mark. Oh. So we see them, now the French guys, in the caves. And we see at the same time that Audrey and Animal have caught up to them. I don't know how time in this movie just it doesn't exist. Because one moment they're, they're at separate points. They're being blocked off by the, the government. And they've managed to sneak in. The other two have managed to sneak in to the facility, right? And so you have this. And you would think that Audrey and Animal would be wherever they're at first. And then here would come the military guys. But they managed to somehow, I guess, follow them? And that makes no sense to me. How can they follow them? It, it, you, they're in a fucking Jeep. They're in a Jeep driving all over the goddamn place. And meanwhile, you two are on foot. And you manage to end up in the same place at the same fucking time. And I... Uh, uh, so so they're all in the same place and we go back out and the army again is trying to draw Zilla out with more fish but instead of putting the nice cute little fish graphic on their map they just put fish trap too I guess maybe it was Broderick that made that stupid little image so that they could have it so instead this time they just put fucking words over their fucking screen of course Zilla comes out Zilla's much smarter than them and kind of notices hey they're all like shining lights at me and looks like it's the same fucking thing that happened before I might want to just get the fuck out of here. And he starts running away and they start firing on him. And, uh, you know, again, one of the guys stands in front of the fucking thing. And they're the worst shots in movie history of all time because they keep trying to fire on him. And, again, fucking Zilla can dodge any fucking thing. Doesn't matter where it is. On land, he looks like he's fucking, you know, stiff as shit. But he's managed just to dodge everything that they're throwing at him. And he jumps into the, the river. And when you're in the river, there's subs in there. Great. Now you got subs. I'm totally on board with that. Uh, you know, you're going to be firing your stuff. But he can move much, much better and much, much faster underwater. So, of course, when they're throwing torpedoes at him and everything, he's able to dodge those things like it's fucking nothing. But those torpedoes, they managed to fucking track him. Okay, so he can't be hit by fucking uh, heat-seeking missiles, but underwater, those torpedoes somehow have some other type of technology. And I'm pretty sure that part of my outrage is true. But they're able to follow him around. There's got to be something in the, that, that some type of weird lizard technology in these torpedoes that's able to follow him just right. Well, of course, at the last possible minute, Zilla punches through a wall, and the, the torpedoes go and they hit the same spot that he was in it. And we're supposed to believe that they've killed Zilla and everybody's celebrating and whatever. But that's not really the, the case here. You know, you know that he's going to come back because there's got to be some type of giant fucking thing that's going to happen at the end of the movie. So we go back again to the, the guys underground. And they realize that Zilla has dug a bunch of tunnels and they've actually dug in the subway system or he has I should say not they uh, into Madison Square Garden and they decide well let's go check it out because maybe that's where the nest is then we come across Audrey and Animal coming in there and now Animal's fucking pissed oh well, Audrey look at this he trashed the garden oh man 
Now I'm pissed. You weren't before? That fucking thing's been trashing the city. It's been toppling over fucking buildings. It's stomping everywhere. It's turned your subway into worse. And you know how long it's going to take to rebuild fucking New York City? And you're mad that he trashed the garden. That's because it's where the Knicks play. Okay? Oh, no, it's because I'm going to go see Springsteen there later next week. Or, you know, uh, no, I got Disney on ice tickets that I'm going to go see. <laughs> what the fuck? That's what you're pissed off about. Pissed off about the fact that he fucking ruined Madison Square Garden. I. Mm. All right, so back to the French guys and Ferris Bueller. And all of a sudden, they see eggs everywhere. And these look like fucking facehugger eggs. Like they're fucking alien eggs. They're not even regular dinosaur eggs or lizard eggs or anything like that. They look like fucking facehugger eggs. And when they come across some, uh, you know, Ferris here he rethinks that there's only a couple available three eggs i thought there'd be more no they turn around and there's probably about 200 or more eggs that are sitting around the whole place so they decide to go out there and attach c4 to all of the eggs but of course they run out of explosives because there's just too many fucking eggs meanwhile ferris is over here and he's taking pictures of everything and he starts to hear something so he goes up close to the egg and he puts his ear on there and now this in any type of thriller or horror film this is where you would get a jump scare right you know that the things are alive they've given you enough clues there's enough foreshadowing in these five fucking seconds to tell you hey look that thing's gonna break open and there's gonna be a fucking zilla monster in there right but no after he puts it on there we kind of come around uh to uh, freaking Audrey and Animal, and they're also in the place, they're also looking at it, and there you go. All of a sudden, it starts breaking open, and we see Zilla Babies. This, if you thought it jumped the shark way before, this is the official point where it's not only jumped the shark, it's uh, gone around, come back, jumped over about seven more, then the guy in the jet ski managed to grab a katana on the side of the build uh, on the side of the set and he came back and then as he was jumping him he was also doing that ninja guy den move where he starts spinning and you see the blade kind of going out and he's spinning really fucking fast and he's chopping all these fucking sharks into chum so that way he can get a bigger fucking shark to come over so he can jump that fucking shark and we have the goddamn zilla babies we have zilla babies then the, I'm not even thinking that they're fucking Zillas. They're fucking Velociraptors. That's all these fucking things are. This is just trying to rip off Jurassic World again. And the Lost World had come out shortly before this, I believe. So we're just trying to bank on this shit even more. It, why? I, I just, I just don't get it. So here, all the monsters come out. They're all well, I shouldn't say monsters. These Zilla babies come out. And again, Ferris being the guy that he is and the smart guy that he is, realizes that there's going to be a big problem. You smell like the fish. I think we should leave now. I think that's a good idea. Oh, humana, 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 humana. we got to leave. We got to leave now. Uh, no, really, come on. They're just saying to you, hey, give me a fish. I'll be your friend. Or if not, I'll just fucking eat you. 
and that's where it should have ended right there. The fucking one of the Zilla monsters just gone, bit off fucking Matthew Broderick's head. Another one comes out, gets John Renault, but John Renault is too much of a professional to fucking go down, so he kills like 150 of them. And then, you know, with the last dying breath, they still have the C4 there. He hits the button, and everything fucking explodes, killing both Hank and Zari and Audrey in there and saving the day. And then the military goes outside, and we find out really that they did kill Zilla, and the movie's over, and everything's done. But, no, that's not the way that this is going. Instead, we're going to go through, and we're going to have a chase scene with all the little Zilla monsters. So they run away. The French guys all get kind of split up. And uh, Animal and Audrey, they end up in a room and we get another bad joke. Whoa! The, this is where the Knicks, like, get showered and everything. Oh, my God! <laughs> you get it? You get it? It's funny because that's where the Knicks play. And he's, like, he's so astonished. And, and you thought that there was going to be a monster in there. And, and see? See how funny this is? Oh, almost done, almost done, almost done, almost done. Okay, so meanwhile, we cut back out to the side of the city, and everybody's screaming outside, like, let me back in. I'm standing here now just outside the Jersey entrance to the Lincoln Tunnel, where thousands of angry refugees are demanding to be let back into the city. All major arteries into the city are clogged with men at night. Yes, yes, I understand. Here, your office is being swamped with phone calls. I know, I know. Do you have any idea what's going on out there? The phones are ringing off the hook with people screaming to be let back into the city. Yeah, they really want to go back into the city because they think everything's fine and everything's been killed. When it's not the case, they need to make sure they give the all okay. And of course they're talking there, and the, the, one of the scientists that originally kind of hit on uh, Ferris back in the beginning of the movie, she comes out and blatantly says, he's right. Colonel, we've got to start a search for the nest. Elsie, we've been through this already. What if Nick is right and we blow this whole thing? Sir, this could be the only chance we have to do something about it. So, after all, everything's said and done, yes, we need to go after nests because the nests are there. And, of course, we as the audience, we know that she's right. And we know that Matthew Broderick's been right all the time. He hasn't been wrong a single time in this fucking movie. Everything he could have done. He works with just fucking worms. He works with worms and fucking radiation. Yeah, he knows everything about this fucking giant lizard Zilla thing. And he hasn't been wrong once in this movie. Once. Back to Madison Square Garden. We're getting towards the end of the film, guys. I am so excited. I can finally get out of these fucking chains pretty soon. So, we go back in Madison Square Garden, and Jean Renault gives... Matthew Broderick a phone and tells him, hey, you need to call, and he gives him a cell phone, old flip phone, and you need to call the military and tell them where we are. And he tries to call and keeps getting a busy signal. Then he goes over to some pay phones. Um, well, and I should also say before, he, he didn't know the number, but somehow Jean Renault, fucking super spy, espionage wonder cooned over here, uh, wonder kind, I should say, um, is able to spout the number off without an area code, by the way. I totally get it. You're in a movie and you're in New York and you're just going to be like, oh, 555. Five, five. But aren't there like multiple area codes around there? And are you sure the military just isn't using like some weird uh, code, you know, 1-800-1900 number so that you can call them, you know. I'm not saying like you can call like 1-900-MIX-A-LOT and you'll reach the military. Uh, but you should be able to get right in and call a specific number that won't have a busy signal. All of our lines are busy. So, or just 
fucking call 911. Call fucking police. Somebody should connect into you, right? I, I'm, I, okay. Almost done here. So we get back and we have the French guys and they're all trying to run away from Zillas. And of course we get the first death is one of the French guys. Then, um, you know, so we're down to three French men left at this point in the movie. The Zillas themselves, they're attacking everything and anything. They're able to break through doors. Uh, and, you know, one of the French guys, as he's wandering around, you know, he sees them break through. Well, he hears them on the other side of the door and he starts firing bullets through the fucking door. He fires, again, more bullets than bullet holes that actually show up. And, of course, this loosens the door for the Zillas to come through and eat the fuck out of them. So now we're down to two French guys. Another one tries to run away from some other one. He gets killed. Now we're down to just Jean Renault. And, of course, you know, Jean Renault is probably not going to die in this movie because he's a named actor. The other guys, all generic French names like Francois and whatever, like, it is. I'm, I, they're not even worth my time. Uh, but, of course, they're all going to die because they've just been there. All they had to do was complain about fucking coffee. At least one of them had speaking lines. The other two, well, one, another one kind of spoke like one thing, but they all got to chew gum, right? That was funny. So, uh, I should also say at this point that the CGI that they're using, and I understand, again, this is 1998, this is not 2015, and uh, but I would look at this film and I'd be like, in 2015... You know, this would be a cheesy horror movie where things don't mesh. The green screening that they used is really shitty, or at least the superimposing, I should say, of it, because they're using like full sets. Uh, I don't, at least I don't think that there's green screen stuff in the background. But when the Zillas come out and they're trying to attack Matthew Broderick, and you see a ton of them, they don't seem to mesh with the background very well. They look all right. These ones are probably the cheaper ones that they did instead of making Zilla so big that you can probably notice blemishes in, like, the texture. Uh, again, 1988 times, so you have to give them some um, leeway into what's going on here. So they're going after Broderick, and uh, he manages to back himself into next to an elevator and keeps slamming the button down. And the Zillas kind of start fighting amongst themselves. But the the bad thing is here is that they wait for the elevator doors to open. They don't go and lunge after Ferris here. They just wait for the doors to open. Let him get inside the elevator. Then he's tapping the button to go up to the next floor. And at the last possible second, one of them, one, just one, sticks his head into the elevator as the door is closing. Now, these doors are closing super slow because he is able to put his foot on top of the head of this Zilla baby and push it outside without much effort and get his ass up to the next floor, which, again, gives you another fucking joke. Wrong floor. What you didn't see is that they were eating the popcorn in Madison Square Garden. Oh my god, guys. That is so funny. I can't believe this. Oh. It might make you chuckle. I mean, I'm sorry if these things make you laugh. Like the little jokes in this movie. But to me, they're just ridiculously cheesy. Like, they're just out of place. 
they there there could be more it's just like we need to make something funny here instead of making it dramatic or making it intense we you know the, the intense thing is he's almost going to get eaten but it takes so long for them to even approach him i mean they start infighting with themselves and then start going after the the door when the door is fucking closing if this were Jurassic Park like they're trying to rip off the raptor would have fucking lunged at them already it would have already gotten him Broderick would be fucking dinner Audrey would be fucking dinner Animal would be fucking dinner the only one that would survive would be Renault because he's got fucking training as a French military specialist and at the end he'd get overwhelmed like that one dude in Jurassic Park that says clever girl I can't remember the character's name so I apologize but you should know who I'm talking about. Suddenly, all of them meet together. And when I mean all of them, I mean all four of them. Audrey and Animal manage to find a way to get up into the ceiling so that they can escape from the Zillas. Uh, when the, the elevator gets to where it's going, it opens up and Jean Renault is right there. And he's like, what happened? He's like, oh, I got blocked off and I couldn't get out of here. And then... The ceiling collapses, and there pops up Audrey and um, Animal, uh, and Renault smashes the camera that Animal has, uh, essentially destroying the, the stuff that he has. But something happens at the end of the movie, which, again, doesn't make any sense, which I'll get into it. So they decide, okay, hey, we need to broadcast what's going on because we need them to find out what's going on over here. So Audrey has the smart thing of going to the broadcast booth because, of course, here they also broadcast Rangers games. So before they were talking about the Knicks, so does their station not do the Knicks games? I guess that could happen. You could have one station being for your basketball, one station being for your hockey. But what she says next, even for 1998, is a little ridiculous. The network is on an internet. It's a direct feed into our computer system. Now, did you get that? Their network is on an internet not on the internet on an internet i had no idea that in 1998 they were multiple internets i know it was still kind of a relatively new thing <clears throat> that you had that readily available for you but at the same time an internet there's only one internet i know i'm nitpicking here and i've been nitpicking a lot in this thing but that's kind of one of the most ridiculous lines in the movie. And that, if you've had that many people writing your story and they had two people doing the screenplay, somebody should have caught that and realized it is the internet, not an internet. So they finally convinced the guys back in the van uh, to broadcast what they're doing and do a live broadcast. And she gives it and invites fairest to be a part of it. We're live inside Madison Square Garden where Dr. Nico Totopoulos has discovered the beast's lair. Doctor, can you please tell us what's happening here? That's you? Yes, no, no. Uh, uh, Thank you. Yeah, uh, well, we've discovered over 200 eggs. Go get Hicks. Get Hicks! Which a few moments ago began hatching. Um, the creatures, though, just hatched are over nine feet tall. And they've begun feeding. So they've almost finished all the fish that's been stored up there by Big Zilla uh, in Madison Square Garden. I should also note that <clears throat> when they went upstairs 
they took the stairs and managed to block off the um, the space uh, to the stairwell. But Zilla's, I guess, can climb stairs, is what I found out in this movie. So they interrupt at the end of the broadcast and start busting into the room. And <clears throat> Jean Renault uh, busts out one of the windows and then finds a cable and goes down the cable and says, hey, come with me if you want to live, basically. Uh, and they all escape. It allows for yet another one of these fabulous jokes. Where did you find this guy? He's from France. Because everybody from France is a fucking military genius. Of course. Ha 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 ha. So they're running away. They're getting out of here. Uh, they run down one hallway. And of course, the Zillas are there. Uh, the Zilla babies are there to block their path. And you get one of the funniest screams from Matthew Broderick. Now, this one actually made me laugh, and I bet you it was unintentional. <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> and he's like waving his arms in the background like a little schoolgirl. It's great. And the face that he makes, it makes the whole thing for me. So they're now finally figuring out how to get there. The military is coming. They're bringing the bombs. They've only got so much time to get out there. They had six minutes originally. When they get to one point where they can get out, they're swarmed by Zillas. They're all standing in this hallway, and that's the only exit out of there. And they've only got 30 seconds to get out of there. So how do you think they get out? Uh, <clears throat> your options are uh, Indiana Jones style, where they swing uh, out of there. Or you have your option of uh, shooting at the Zillas, maybe killing one, making it food, and they all go after it. Or uh, shooting the lamps on top of the ceiling. If you chose option C, you're correct. And it should have been one of the other two options. All they do is they shoot at the, like, the big chandeliers that are up on top. I know they're probably just more like fluorescent lights. Um, <clears throat> they shoot them down. And then the Zillas let them fall one by one. And they slowly creep to the next spot, shoot it down. And next one, shoot it down. Next one. I. Why aren't they attacking? They should have been attacking after the first one. First one falls is on the ground. You see them move. Fucking swarm them. Just kill them. Instead, these things are just like I understand. Maybe they're just babies and they don't know what's going on. You can say that, but fuck it. There should be more danger here, and there's not a whole lot of danger. All they do is run and scream, and these things really don't do anything. Even though they did manage to kill three Frenchies. <clears throat> So, oh, I also forgot to mention the other great scene of this movie, which is when Matthew Broderick is running away from some of the Zillas. He's running, and they're catching up to him, but he manages to knock over, like, a bunch of sports equipment and then a gumball machine. And when he knocks over the gumball machines, of course what happens Everybody, all the Zillas, slip, slide, and fall over the place. Again, slapstick monster comedy. It's wonderful. And that doesn't even really slow them down because the moment that they start shooting those lights out, the other ones that were slipping all the shit managed to catch up with them really fast. So really, it did absolutely nothing. You, you didn't have to do anything. You just kept fucking running instead of taking your time and, and doing this stupid little fucking joke thing. So, um... Uh, <clears throat> now we get to the final thing they've blown up the place 
Uh, it only takes two missiles to blow up the whole thing, and all of the Zilla babies are now dead. And we get to be relaxing, and we get to maybe finish this movie up. You all right? Yeah. Somehow I never thought your life was this exciting. You'd be surprised. I'd like to find out. Oh, God. Why? We got to finish the love story? Please, I thought you forgot about it. What about you two? What the hell's going on with you guys? Uh, how you doing? You, you all right? I could use a coffee. Oh, get it? Because he's French. And he could use a coffee, not that American fucking swill. So, now this becomes, again, if you thought the last time you jumped the shark, <laughs> we're going to do it again. <laughs> the final chase scene with Godzilla and our four heroes here in a taxi cab. So Zilla comes up, sees that everything's been killed. Of course she's not dead, or he's not dead, or whatever the fuck it is, and I's not dead. And starts chasing them, because obviously they're the ones that did it. Um, which partially is true, because they're the ones that caused the airstrike to happen. So they get in a taxi cab, and they're able to outrun Zilla through the entire fucking city. And I'm not joking. Zilla can hide everywhere, can surprise people, can do whatever, and can bite down on helicopters before they can move out of the way, but she can't catch a New York taxi cab. I wonder if that's some type of social commentary right there. So, they go everywhere. They run into things. They they even jump off of Zilla's foot at one time and launch themselves in the air. It's really fucking ridiculous. Uh, and they end up getting locked inside of a tunnel where they're able to hide. So, the military says, hey, if you can get them to a, get it to a bridge then we may be able to trap it so that we can shoot it because it can dodge us, but it just can't seem to dodge you. You can get away easily. So how do they get out of the tunnel? Well, they use high beams. They use high beams to blind Zilla so they can drive underneath it so Zilla can get away and follow them to the bridge. Now, Zilla is able to uh, follow them, and it's jumping everywhere, and it keeps jumping. It's on the Brooklyn Bridge. And it keeps jumping on the top of the different arches. But at one point, it decides, you know what? That's just being too slow. I need to go right through one. And when he goes right through one, what happens? He breaks it apart. He gets the cables. They wrap him up in the cables. And then we get to kill Zilla. Yes, they, the helicopters finally come in or the, the jets. I can't remember which ones they use this time off the top of my head. And they, all you need to know is that they shoot fucking missiles at it and fucking kills him. It nails him twice and gets him. That's not enough. So they come back and then nail him with some more missiles. And Zilla goes down. Zilla goes down. And that's basically it. We, we get to see them uh, walk off in, uh, you know, in glory that they were able to get away and they were able to stop Zilla. They show him on TV and you get, you know, Animal's wife getting kind of pissy. That's my husband! That's my husband! Oh my. I'm gonna kill him! <laughs> yeah, woohoo, I'm gonna kill him because he ran away. Like, it took you that long to realize he wasn't in the fucking room. What do you think, he just went to bed? It's been like a couple hours and you haven't seen him. Oh, what, that character is so useless and pointless. 
We also get our last times with Evert and Gene. Wait. We can use this. The mayor who destroyed Godzilla. I don't think we should exploit this. It could backfire. Listen to me, idiot. I idiot. do the thinking around here. It, it's a magnificent idea. You know what I think about you and your campaign? You didn't see it, but he gave him a thumbs down. Get it? He gave him a thumbs down just like Gene does on his show. That's Roland Emmerich. Man, he's fucking getting him, man. Oh. We also get to have Audrey give her, you know, meet up with Sheer for one last time. We did it! We did it! We got the exclusive! Audrey, you're beautiful. We did? I don't think so. Just remember you work for me, okay? Not anymore, Chuck. I quit. Oh, she got him there too. Now she quits and she's going to go get something else. And hey, what the hell happened to Jean Renault? What happened to Philippe? Hello? It's Philippe. Where are you? Tell your friends I will send a tape after I removed a few items from you. Uh, I understand. I just wanted to say au revoir and uh, thank you for your help, my friend. Well, wait. Uh, hello? Au revoir. And... There we have it. That's got to be it, right? There can't be anything else that's going to happen. I mean, they wouldn't do something so fucking cliche as... of shit fucking movie no we don't need to have a fucking godzilla egg and this thing i'm not done with you yet I'm gonna fucking just get, get out of here. oh hey i feel lighter now no chains i'm free i'm free oh, i guess it's the magic of puff daddy that got me out of this movie oh well not out of the movie i should say maybe out of this chair oh, i feel so much better Oh, really? This movie's awful. I'm sorry. I, I know and this has been a really long one to go through. And it's because the movie's so long and just so awkward and so terrible to me. I <clears throat> I really feel that, you know, it, it was just a cash grab. It was, okay, we want to make a Godzilla for Western audiences, but we don't need to make a Godzilla for Western audiences. We just need to make a Japanese Godzilla for Western audiences. That's what Godzilla 2014 did. We didn't need to have this thing. They're trying to make a franchise out of this. And if you didn't know that last surviving Zilla, it actually does come back. The sequel to this is the Godzilla cartoons. If you didn't know that, it's amazing. I didn't realize that for a long time. I just saw, oh, they're doing a Godzilla cartoon with that fucking Zilla thing. I don't want to fucking deal with it. But it turns out that that's the last surviving one, and it helps them do things. I'm not sure if it's like a Scooby-Doo situation where it helps them solve mysteries, but it's involved, and it actually becomes a good guy. And you even get that shot at the end of this movie 
where Matthew Broderick is looking at Godzilla and Godzilla's looking at him like, why, why did you do it? I'm just an animal. I just, this is what I do. You know, you guys are the true monsters, not me. Fuck you, movie. Fuck you. I'm done with you. You know, there's, John Renault even destroys a tape at the end of the movie. And the tape was supposed to be footage from inside the freaking, well, he doesn't destroy it. I should say he takes it so that he can edit it and put whatever his spin on the movie tapes is. And where did they get that tape? Because we saw him destroy the camera and it was left behind. So was it from whatever footage was filmed by Animal when they were in the live broadcast booth? Because that shit all got out there. What what was it exactly? Did he run out of tape at some time and he had some extra tape and the last one was just new tape and he couldn't record anything new? I don't know. I don't really care. It doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of issues with this movie. And, you know, as much... As much as I hate it, I understand what they did. <clears throat> and I know that they tried to make it better. I want to say better, but more focused on a Western audience, more focused on a U.S. audience. Because, you know, we're the type of people that we can't have happy endings uh, or sad endings in the majority of our films. We want those happy endings. and that, But that's not a Godzilla thing. I mean, there's too much. There's There's a romantic plot that doesn't need to be involved. Usually when you watch a kaiju film, there's always, there's something. There can be those types of things, but there's usually some type of human interaction that's either trying to understand exactly what's going on or trying to explain it. So when you look at the original Gojira and you see them, it's more of them trying to figure out how to stop the thing and how it was created. And they talk more about, you know, um, <clears throat> the testing and how it was woken and how it risen from the, the ocean. And, and you have human elements but it's not a cheesy love story mixed inside of the movie. I mean, yes, okay, you have a couple of really cheesy ones in the middle, like Son of Godzilla uh, and the one with the um, fuck, Jet Jaguar, where it's more focused on the little kid and that thing. And But there's still good kaiju action in that movie. Uh, there's that ridiculous Godzilla uh, across-the-screen kick, flying kick that he does that's fantastic. There, there are stupid human things. I'm not saying that they're not, but it's just not what I want in... And I mean, this is selfish for me to say, but what I want in a kaiju film. I want to be able to see the kaijus do what they need to do, either have multiple ones fighting each other, or, you know, it'd it be Godzilla just destroying shit, you know, and them trying, the humans trying to figure out how do we stop it. Now, I know a lot of people may have not liked the 2014 version, but I really felt that it was a Godzilla movie. It's seriously the way that it said it, and it had some of these type of tropes in it, but the main focus was still just to get to you to that point of kaiju on kaiju action and figuring out what the hell is going on. What are these mudos? What, what the hell is all this other stuff? And, you know, how do we stop these guys? <clears throat> And how do we stop Godzilla? Because we don't know if he's on our side or not. And I really hope that they take a little bit of that extra human emotional element out of it for the next one. And, you know, really bring back some classic monsters. Because I hear that Ghidorah is supposed to be back. And I hear that Mothra might be in it. And Rodan actually might be in it too. But they get me excited because they, they make me believe in a kaiju movie just like Pacific Rim. If you've never seen that movie, please watch it. That is one of the best kaiju movies I've ever seen. It's an homage to those types of movies. And there's some great fight scenes in it. 
and it's it does get a little on the sentimental side on a couple of things but it's mostly character development and not what i feel like this is this is forced and there's a lot of forced comedy in this movie they say things the whole ebert and siskel character knockoffs that he did because he was mad he got a bad review in a couple of movies shame on you roland emmerich put those characters in there they have no place in them you could cut half of this movie out half you could cut out the whole intro you could just have godzilla coming in and where the the river the the guy fishing you could have it right there you could use that as your intro to the movie godzilla comes into the city why did he come i'm not sure military shows up military then tries to fight him off and matthew Broderick just happens to be a part of him that says hey i figured out a couple things take out the cheesy ex-girlfriend romance story that's going to end up back with matthew broderick at the end i know what's going to happen it's bad she's i mean it probably also is because she's not a very good actress and i don't think i've ever seen her anything again if i have and you've been better i'm sorry but it's just not for me right so overall i I, everything on this movie, the crap factor, the fun factor, and the gore factor, it's all a one. Uh, this is one retarded Godzilla out of five. It is a horrible movie. If you really want to watch it and you really like it, you know, I'd like to hear your opinion on it. I'd like to understand why you enjoy this film. Maybe it was the first Godzilla film that you had ever seen. Uh, it's just, it's just bad. I mean, it's fun talking like this. It's fun going through here. My blood pressure has been raised. I'm going to be glad to get out of this small space in just a moment. But really, I think that, uh, you know, if you really want to see it, <clears throat> see it. I, I can't stop you from doing that. But this is not my type of movie. And it's probably, a lot of it has to deal with personal preference. And a lot of it has to deal with nostalgia. So, there's one more thing on this freaking tape and it looks like it's a trailer what is it <laughs> In January, a message from an extraterrestrial source was picked up at the Parks Observatory in Australia. A new sequence of DNA, friendly instructions on how to combine it with ours. This growth is amazing. The decision was made to terminate the experiment. serious emergency on our hands i want a team to track her hunt her down you created a monster now you want us to kill it we decided to make it female so that it would be more docile <laughs> and controllable more docile and controllable huh? <laughs> i guess you guys don't get out much she wants to have a baby she'll kill anyone that gets in her way i wouldn't hurt you yes you will I just don't know it yet. She can have a dozen babies. She can lay a thousand eggs. Something's wrong. I 
I guess that's my next movie. We're going to be watching Species next. And if you've never seen it, uh, I have a great story that I'll talk about on the next podcast of uh, my first time seeing that movie. And it's been a while since I've seen that one, too. I saw it the other day. I saw the trailer for the second one being posted um, on uh, a forum board. Well, no, on a subreddit, I should say. Uh, And I thought, hey, you know, I haven't seen Species in a long time, and that might be perfect. So we're going to do Species next. But, of course, you can always send me suggestions. You can either send it to me as a direct message on the podcast Twitter account at T underscore T underscore podcast or through our Facebook page, facebook.com terrible terror podcast well slash terrible terror podcast. Uh, and, or if you really want to just like uh, a couple of uh, listeners have done before, you can email the idea to terrible terror podcast at gmail.com. And you can always follow me. If you want to go to my personal account on Twitter, it's at T zero zero L B E R T. That's Tolbert. Uh, because somebody else has my real spelling of it. So I would also like you guys, if you want to, you can listen to it, Be Like That, with the person that suggested this movie, my co-host Patrick, uh, who can be found on Twitter at BigSolo64. And you can find that podcast on Spreaker, Stitcher, Blueberry, or iTunes every other week that this podcast is off. So uh, Species... You can get it through Amazon Instant. It might be available through Netflix. Um, I know I couldn't find it on something like YouTube, and I know I found Godzilla on YouTube for a rental price. Um, but uh, you can definitely find it out there. Um, I would definitely give it a watch before, especially if you haven't seen it in a long time, kind of like with Godzilla. Um, and uh, I, I thank you for sitting through this longer than normal podcast. Um, I... Just wanted to be a little more freeform with this one, and next week we'll probably go back to a similar format as I've done before, just to keep it a little more in check. But there was a lot of things in this movie that I just kind of wanted to go off on. So, thank you very much for listening. I am now going to figure out how to get out of this room, and we'll see you next time with Species. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.